recorded on May 10th, 2022. Not talking back. Welcome to the Push Ahead Podcast, the podcast that's all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Shelby. And I am Pamela. And we're here to talk about things that the GOP wants to control the conversation on. But first, we're going to need to clear some elephants out of the room. Can we just clear all the elephants out of all the rooms? It'd make me so happy. In a tweet by Steve Hofstetter, he pointed out that the Florida retirement system invested $300 million in Russian assets. They've now lost two-thirds of that. These are in the pension fund. So teachers' pension, state employees' pension, lot into Rosneft and Spurbank are, were the two big assets. Uh, those were the central bank of Russia. They were the central oil company of Russia. And they appeared to be safe investments. Other Why were they safe investments then? Well, because Russia was always going to sell oil. And okay. Russia was always going to be connected up and have. But we a couldn't find Google's those investments money. in America. I just yeah, these well, are the America First people. I just don't get this. Like yeah. Right. Well, also Kentucky did the same thing and yes. lost a boatload of money too. The problem was that these pensions are filled with a whole bunch of toxic assets that are now worthless because even if you wanted to cash out the remaining hundred million and take those losses, you wouldn't be able to because you wouldn't be able to sell them to anybody. You'd be able to sell them for rubles, but you can't do anything with rubles over here yeah. because the banks are disconnected. Russia is a pariah state. So because our state chose not to divest these retirement funds, what happened? <laughs> well, they take it on the chin. What can they do? They can either throw good money after bad or they can Tell the teachers that they are SOL. Thank you for your service. Thank you for paying into this. Because the idea of a pension fund is that you defer payment. This is income that the teachers earned, but they trusted the state to handle better than they could. Right. But that turned out to not be the case. So the teachers are left holding the bag because a bunch of Republican an empty politicians. Bag. Yeah, an empty bag. Because a bunch of Republican politicians decided that they wanted to cozy up to Putin and buy... Like, who do you think was actually selling these stocks to our pension funds across the red states? It happened a lot in Moscow Mitch's home state. And these are particularly Russian-friendly politicians. I like this last comment in the tweet. The only Russian asset still in Florida is Ron DeSantis. Uh, yep. To be fair, all of the Russian assets left in Florida are worthless. <laughs> <laughs> Including Ron, Ron DeSantis, but I'm ching. He's yep. not the lovely. This is another elephant. Yeah. yeah. Well, we also have Supreme Court justices whining that their privacy is being imposed upon by protests outside of their houses and their jobs. Like, we were talking about this before. I just think it's dumb. I think everybody has a right. If you're on public property, protest all you want. I don't care if it's in front of my house. I don't care. Like the fact that I don't care, by the way, does not mean that I feel sorry for these justices. I mean, no. it's just what it is. You live yeah. with it. I mean, in the 90s, the Supreme Court ruled so protesters could follow abortion clinic nurses home and then protest. Right. In their, not in their front yards, but outside their homes. Right. Yeah. Which in some areas is your front yard. Like, so. I don't think this is the first time somebody has publicly opposed what's his face. Kavanaugh's had multiple yeah, protests yeah, outside. and So his neighbors yeah, were out coordinated there. Coordinated by his neighbors. His neighbors <laughs> organized a protest back during the nomination period because they thought, I mean, they knew he was unfit and he liked beer. 
I mean, he has that going for him. But they were out there and people showed up to cover it and they were like, what do the neighbors think about this protest? You're disrupting the neighbors. And they're like, we are the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. And so they came out again. My favorite joke of that, they need to think about Kavanaugh on Monday morning. He had a long, hard day of drinking. Would someone please respect the sanctity of Brett Kavanaugh's driveway. Yes, please, yeah. <laughs> so we're finally seeing the first concrete battle of Don't Say Gay. So after an art teacher was fired for being pan, there was another Florida- In Longwood. That had its yearbook suspended. They suspended it internally. Who suspended it? The school? Yeah, it was a school. Because kids were protesting. For LGBTQ and those stuff. And those photos were in the yearbook. Yes. I, yes. But yeah. under the guise of we can't show this because of Don't Say Gay. Right. It was because they were protesting for LGBTQ okay. rights. Got it. So another elephant that we is, got lots of elephants. We got oh, lots yeah. of elephants. Hard County. Uh, so another elephant is uh, that actually Biden is trying out new branding efforts. He came out and he called portions of the GOP ultra MAGA, you know, sort of like an extremist or it's something that you can call them like neo-nazi it's different but worse oh it's a new label we get to give people it is it is birth mandators so he's trying out what i also like birth mandators birth oh. mandators well what yes. they do it's government mandated birth like that's just yeah that's what it is yes yep. so, so ultra maga he's trying like a out. magnum <laughs> well, they no. like Magnums because they're champagne. Yeah, they like Magnums because they're oversized champagne. They are pistol rounds and they are condoms. Ah, well, they but wouldn't they no, don't need ultras. No, we, so the Ultra Maga, he called them that last week. And someone, probably Pete Ducey, reached out to Jen Psaki during the press brief about the Ultra Maga language. And she doubled down on it. She said that this was a label that Biden himself used to refer to the more extreme sides of the Republican Party and grouped in Rick Scott's 12-point plan with it because they're trying to distance Rick Scott's 12-point plan from what the rest of the GOP is doing. Because but it is, is what they're doing. It is. Totally it's pretty hard to doing. hide yes. from that. Yeah. He's the one who writes the talking point memos now. Yeah. So I like birth mandators and ultra MAGA. Those yep. are my new favorite things. Yes. I'm going to add them to my list of favorite things. Yes. Unfortunately, we can't get those elephants out of the room entirely, but but we've touched. But you them. can, listeners. Uh -huh. Yes. I wanted to talk about Michigan Senator McMorrow's speech, which a lot of Democrats yeah. are using as a new template for or how to talk back to the new caustic Republicans. I will say, it's been how we've been languaging it in this room. It and is. And I've been languaging it anyway, like talking about pushing ahead. It was a very powerful speech. And she starts off by addressing that this came from a fundraiser email. I didn't expect to wake up yesterday to the news that the senator from the 22nd district had overnight accused me by name of grooming and sexualizing children in an email fundraising for herself. She laid bare. Oh, I love that at the end of the. Oh, yeah. She, go on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She started off by saying this was a fundraising email. On behalf of her opponent. Yes, yes. That her opponent sent out looking to raise money. And she also ended with, I hope this got you a few dollars. I hope you brought in a few dollars. Blatantly calling out, this is the kind of dirty you need to go because yeah. the Republicans are going to read that and hear that as, oh, this senator prostituted herself for money 
from her, you know, constituents. And created a non-issue to do it. It's kind of like tangent, but it's kind of like in 2020, the local Brevard Republican Executive Committee made door hangers. Their door hangers had pictures of their candidates, Tina Deskovich and Rabadina. And it was in the middle of the Black Lives Matter protests. And they had photos of the cities being burned in Portland. And they had pictures of Main Street, Melbourne. And their door hanger said, if you don't want this, Melbourne, Mm -hmm. to look like this, Portland, vote for these people. From then, after stating that, hey, my opponent did some bad things for money, she then explained why she was being othered. Because I am the biggest threat to your hollow, hateful scheme. Because you can't claim that you are targeting marginalized kids in the name of, quote, parental rights if another parent is standing up to say no. She called out that she was being othered. Then you dehumanize and marginalize me. You say that I'm one of them. You say she's a groomer. She supports pedophilia. She wants children to believe that they were responsible for slavery and to feel bad about themselves because they're white. And then she said, no, I am not the other. I am everything that conservatives should be putting up on a pedestal. She didn't say that. So who am I? I am a straight, white, Christian, married, suburban mom who knows that the very notion that learning about slavery or redlining or systemic racism somehow means that children are being taught to feel bad or hate themselves because they are white is absolute nonsense. Everything that they value, and yet they still tried to other her. So she just flat out refused that attempt at othering. Exactly what they're doing to me here in Brevard County. Yes. Because I am the chair of the Brevard Democrats. So you obviously yet, must be saving. Right. And in 1996, I started a personal business. I'm a sales director with a cosmetic company and I'm still with that company. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I define capitalism. I've been an active member of my Catholic church for 26 years. I am a mother of two, grandmother of six and still married to my college sweetheart now for 39 years. So they literally like don't know how to even think like they look at me and they're like, but you must be one of us. Yeah. Like, you know, you're white. You're happily married you're all these things and you're not so they have to make stuff up yeah and so because you're not what you are and what senator mcmorrow is is devastating to their case right she pointed out that this was an issue that she opposed where oh yeah we are arguing on behalf of parents rights and she as a parent (laughs) stood up and said no this is not what i want as a parent this is not what a lot of other parents want this is something that's being made up and that was devastating to their case and the fact that you aren't hopping on board the fact that jennifer jenkins isn't hopping on board with randy fine's agenda is devastating to their self-image because their self-image is, oh, everyone likes me because I'm righteous and right. The next point that she took, I I think it was almost disastrous. When they go low, we go high, which I think is read improperly. I don't think it's the appropriate response. I think that when... I think that's on us. I don't think Michelle Obama meant for us to like sit around and lay down and play dead. No, no. But she said, we don't have to fight back with the stupid stuff. When they go go low, we go high. And Senator McMorrow absolutely set the template that everyone needs to follow. Yeah. She called them out on their nonsense. We cannot let hateful people tell you otherwise to scapegoat and deflect from the fact that they are not doing anything to fix the real issues that impact people's lives. 
Right. It was so beautiful. It was absolutely amazing. And that was the way that we need to use it, where you get an insult. The fact that I am a pig is not the reason why our children of color are underperforming at rates that is absolutely ridiculous compared to the rest of the country. From now on, when they go low, we go high means redirect back to an issue they can't defend against. People who are different are not the reason that our roads are in bad shape after decades of disinvestment or that healthcare costs are too high or that teachers are leaving the profession. Redirect to something they cannot defend against. I like that. And then from there, after redirecting to the roads, she appealed to universals. She pointed out effectively what people want to be. It doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal. It doesn't matter if you are apolitical or out there waving signs on the corner every day. You want to believe that you are a good, kind, empathetic, smart person. I want my daughter to know that she is loved, supported, and seen for whoever she becomes. I want her to be curious, empathetic, and kind. And she appealed to that in all of us, pointing out that, hey, if you go along with this thing, then you aren't the person that you believe you want to be. She pointed out the importance in Christianity of service over appearance. I learned that service was far more important than performative nonsense like being seen in the same pew every Sunday or writing Christian in your Twitter bio and using that as a shield to target and marginalize already marginalized people. She called it out as performative nonsense. Yeah, it was so good. It was amazing because she said, this is what it means to be a Christian, to be in the soup kitchen instead of the church every Sunday. Right. Because there are people in need and Christ would have skipped church to serve the people in need. Which is what her mother had done. Yes. Her mother had done. And instead, she used that to refute performative nonsense by the other side. So if you see that, call it out for what it is. Speak truth. I think that it was kind of a one-two punch because she had a follow-up interview with PBS and I loved how she didn't come at them as saying that they were scary or intimidating or machismo or deplorable or any of these tags that they could take pride in. She called these attacks pathetic and sad. If you want to hit the GOP machismo ego on the head, call them pathetic and sad. Well, the reality is I would use those adjectives to describe our local self-appointed leaders of the party and not even thinking, I'm not trying to make them feel anything, but that's literally who they are. Like pathetic, sad and pitiful, like just, and so irrelevant, like completely irrelevant. Yeah. Pathetic, sad and irrelevant because they view themselves as kings. They view Trump as the strong man, strong man, but they're not. They are weak bullies who have a little bit of power and use it to bully people that they disagree with that they can't deal with like an adult. You know, the GOP will continue to bully people like her and Jennifer Jenkins. Well, they will attempt to bully them into silence. They don't know what to do with people that are like us that just don't fall in line. Yeah. We don't cower. We don't get scared. Like, whatever. Yeah. A liar doesn't know how to deal with an honest man. That's true. I keep saying this to some of the people that send me private instant messages that are fake people. 
I'm like, y'all just don't know how to deal with an honest person, right? You just don't know what happens well, when you deal well, with Well, now you person. have to just be like, you can stop with this performative nonsense. <laughs> you are pathetic and sad. Just to recap, she started off by addressing why, why she was there, why you should listen. So the first thing you need to do in any communication is you need to set the hook and say, this is why you should be listening. This is why I'm talking. This is why this matters. From there, she started off by saying, I am not the other. This is why you should listen to me. They tried to other me. You should be aware of this and say, no, no, I am another person who has the same concerns, right. the same cares, the same worries that you do. Still have one head, two eyes, two ears, yep. one nose. We one nose. are, yeah, we are more alike than we are different. And don't let them other you because if they other you, then you are subhuman in their eyes. And I mean, the Supreme Court ruling is what happens when too large a portion of the political machine views certain classes of people as subhuman. People get hurt. So othering is devastating. Well, and I again, very few people really think of the others as subhuman. There's something subconscious, though, where we are not in their tribe. And so we are othered and right. therefore are deserving of punishment in their minds. After striking down the attempt at othering her, she pulled back the curtain on the rhetorical evidence that was being used against her. And then she appealed to common ground and appealed to people's good nature to say, yeah, of course, I am a good human being. How can I not agree with you? And that was really effective communication. So I'm glad you broke it down the way you did, because I do think every candidate running for office needs to break that down. It needs to look at that as a model. You don't have to be the same person, but the concepts that you're pulling out are so valuable. It's all about effective communication. Mm -hmm. Now, if you just want to be the loudest voice in the room, yeah, fine. But if you want to win, and I always use the military term, but hearts and minds, there's a reason the military talks about hearts oh, and yeah. minds, because that's much more effective. You lose less lives when you're winning hearts and minds. Yeah. And so if you really want to do that and, and work together to build an even better country than we have, then you want to do that. The next topic, I wanted to break down the counterpoint, how the GOP is doing this, has been doing this for the so, past half century. I'm going to interject for just a minute because you're right. And listeners, this is not the Jamie show. He hates that because he that does not like having all the attention on him. These are his topics. And I kind of feel like what we've come up with is our roles on this pod. Like Shelby keeps up with national events and from a history teacher perspective and how it affects our future. And Jamie is the analyst and I bring it down to a local conversation so there you go. So what's our next topic? Right. It was a good segue. Jamie, it was a great segue. <laughs> so last week, actually, in response to the Alito leak, there was a smaller leak. This happened on May 3rd. I heard about this. Something from the White House? It wasn't from the White House. It was, I don't know where it came from. It was leaked through Axios. Okay. I just heard people talking about it, but I didn't have any idea what they were talking right. about. Right. And so there are talking point memos. They are notoriously hard to get your hands on because there are think tanks out there, incredibly well-funded think tanks that come up with ideas. They come up with a cohesive strategy and then they talk to these talking points. And so these talking points are in the works for a long time. And so if it feels like one week the right is attacking LGBTQ, the next week they're attacking the economy, and then the next week they're attacking this, and the next week they're attacking that, it's because there is a coordinated, well-funded strategic effort. And every time I say that, I always feel like such a conspiracy nut. 
And yet Henry Kissinger said, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't talking about you. Like your conspiracies are usually pretty right on. Well, this one also has evidence. I mean, most conspiracies come from something. Now, if you tell me that John Kennedy's coming back from the dead. No, this memo did not say that. (laughs) NRSC. I forget what the four letters are. I looked it up and then I promptly forgot it. Yeah, it was National Republican Senatorial Committee. Committee. They are coordinating with other groups. The Federalist Society, who is appointing federal judges who are kind of tattooing conservative, conservative thought into our legal rulings. And you can thank all I just of them. Googled NRSC and immediately I get three talking point. The NRSC is the committee that that coordinates and controls the messaging for all of the Republican senators. There are other ones. They do coordinate with Goldwater, with the Federalist Society, with other think tanks out there who are coordinating on what Fox News, what your crazy uncle is going to talk about on a weekly basis. But there's a Florida connection to the Senate committee once. Yeah. You know who the chairman of the NRSC is? No. Rick Tell Scott. Me. Oh, yeah. Shocking. Yeah. Because he wrote the 12 points. Yeah. They don't have a party platform, y'all. Like, if you ask a Republican what they stand for... They literally can't tell you because they don't have a platform. So Rick Scott wrote these 12 points, which is their platform. It is essentially their platform, but it is their official position to disavow the platform. Right. It gets written into law. Yes. So first thing about the contents of the memo, before we even dive into what the memo said, they pointed out that the following points were verified via polling and focus groups. They do market research on these talking points before they even publish them and push them out. So people who don't have an opinion are statistically more likely to accept these talking points. We will also put a link to this leaked memo in the liner notes if you want to read it for yourself. And actually, a lot of these had been turned out to be true, and then they were contradicted by the Republicans, which means that there is internal turmoil. Um, Oh, please. Yeah. They're a mess. So they start off, you read this memo the way that a conversation should flow. And then they actually end it at the very end with an example campaign spot for how a Republican should write a campaign ad for the current issue. And it follows these points as well. It starts off by attempting to extend the olive leaf. Things that they think that Democrats agree with, they start off by finding that common ground of things like abortion should be avoided. I don't know that we think abortions should be avoided. We don't want to legislate that for the people. We do right. wish there were fewer of them. We do we wish that women yeah. had more options but we, provided to them, like good health care, good job protection. Yeah. But we also advocate for proven strategies like in Colorado. Yeah. So when I had this conversation with somebody one time, my first time knocking a door and a woman came to the door and she said, oh, I was for Obama. And she said, I want to vote for him, but I'm pro-life. And I said, do you want to have a conversation about that? And she said, sure. And I said, can we all agree? We wish there were fewer abortions. And she just like stopped, like yeah. never had that thought. And I said, if I could show you now, if that's where we're coming from, like this is where we should be on top of this. Yes, we agree that we wish there were fewer abortions. Abortions are at their lowest Since they became legal, it's been a steady decline. And that decline is sharpest when we have a Democratic president. Right. And there's a lot of reasons. We don't know why. She said, why? And I said, I don't know. Maybe because we provide health care. Maybe because we provide other services for women so they don't feel like they're desperate and stuck in a terrible situation. I don't know. Maybe. All I know, the empirical evidence says that this is fact. Yeah. And this is how you gain the offensive when a conservative following this talking point memo tries to start off a conversation. Yes, we all believe fewer abortions in the long term is a good thing. 
So let's and, talk about when that happens. Yeah, right, and, yeah. And so let, the talking point memo doesn't actually talk about anything. It's just empty platitudes. It's like, right. oh, babies are good. Yeah. We we want to protect life, but they don't actually talk about health care. And then after trying to find the common ground, the memo says, go on the offensive by accusing Dems of having extremist views. So they try to say that people who are for the rights of other people are just following Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer, whereas the level headed Republicans, like most sane Democrats, are OK with limits as a concept. They're OK with limits, yeah. on reasonable limits on abortion if it's warranted. Yeah, there are days that I think about it with my 72nd trimester son. <laughs> and yes, that should be wrong. <laughs> that should be illegal. <laughs> but And it already is. That's the other thing. Is that yeah. They don't understand that they're painting us with this description and it's false. Like they're saying that there is no place yeah. that you can walk in and say, yeah, I'm eight months pregnant, change my mind. It's not possible. Right. No. no, when it comes to gun control, most Republicans are four background checks. They are four limits on who can own guns. And most Democrats are four reasonable limits on abortion. There are things that Republicans have said that I'm not going to repeat that happen in quote unquote abortion clinics. That should never happen because they never happen because they're totally illegal and they're just absolutely strawmen. And, and if they are happening, they are illegal and yeah. they should be prosecuted. Yeah, yeah. And and so it starts off a little bit talking about lies about what Democrats are. It then goes on to just spout true lies that were later disproven by the Republicans themselves. They said Republicans don't want to lock people up. They don't want to put mothers and doctors in jail. And then like a couple of days after this memo was published, a couple of states put. Yeah. It was it Tennessee. Uh, some. Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee is you can have plan B, but you cannot have the abortion. But memo. they actually will prosecute the the mother. Yes. Though they yes. said they won't. Yeah. So a couple of days after this memo came out saying Republicans don't want to put mothers in jail. Tennessee passed a law that would put mothers in jail. Yeah. They also serve more time for trying to have an abortion yeah. than your rapist would for raping you. That's yeah. Alabama. Because the thing is that Republicans don't want to eliminate rape. They just want to regulate it. That's right. Then it also says that Republicans don't want to ban contraceptives. And then like three states came out with proposals that would ban contraceptives. So what so, you're saying is that they've got this consistent effort and messaging and we should be aware of it so we could be so, it goes back to the whole, they go low, we go high. One of the things that they don't put in the memo. So if you do the opposite of the memo, if you read the memo and you anticipate these talking points and you say, oh, yes, we agree we should have fewer abortions. Here's how through government services you can go on the offensive. But they don't actually talk about how to refute it at kind of the big point. What you have to do is you have to take a step back and kind of squint your eyes at the memo and it gets a little bit blurry. <laughs> And then you recognize, it pops out at you all at once, that these are just deflection points. These are ways that they don't have to talk about how they are stripping rights right. from people. And they don't have to talk about what will actually make yeah. a difference. Right. And it's not only redirecting to what will or won't make a difference. They're having this conversation because they don't want to talk about how they are fast-tracking right. us to fascism. In every way. It started with taking votes away, mm -hmm. making it harder to vote. And now making it harder to make your own health care decisions. Well, and, yeah. yeah, this leak happened and we're not talking about the economy. We're not talking about rising inflation. 
which they don't want to talk about yeah. because they don't have answers. Well, they, they so actually do want to do. talk about it. They want to blame it on Biden. Right. Yes. I didn't call it out, but there was a section about how Democrats want to talk about abortion because they don't want to talk about inflation or these other pivot points that they want to off ramp to. And the reality is Republicans want to talk about abortion because they don't want to talk about the fact that last month's job growth was the best, I think, ever in American history. since right. it was yeah. tracked. They don't want to talk about that. So instead, they're going to talk about abortion. Because there's way too many single issue voters on abortion. Right. And so the thing is that these people are incredibly skilled at, oh, did you hear about that abortion decision? Oh, yes. Yes, I heard about it. But I'm sure that you're only talking about it because Biden is trying to deflect from inflation. Do you want to talk about inflation? And so it's that kind of thing that you need to be aware of that goes on all of the time. If you know how to read these memos, you know how to hold a conversation that's structured according to these talking points. They show up all the time if you, I don't know, if you want to go a little bit insane and watch some Fox News hosts, they will run through talking points like this piece by piece. In fact, I first learned about them when one of the hosts held up a memo from one of these groups and pointed to it as a support of their argument as opposed of a guide that they should be following. Okay, so this quote that you have in here, one of the greatest and most unique things about America is the way we strive to take care of the least of these, the way we value defense of the defenseless, the desire to protect the weakest members of our society, the sick, the poor and the elderly. They don't want to help those. No, but they do go on to say unborn babies deserve the same help as the uninsured elderly and the uninsured sick and the uninsured poor. Which is nothing. They don't want to help anybody. Yeah. This was another masterstroke of messaging. Before we get to talk about helping the sick, the poor and the elderly, we need to deal with the unborn. And they keep saying they're doing it one at a time. They're going to deal with this first. Yeah. That's how they keep their voters. I've already said this once. It's like not doing the dishes in the kitchen because your bathroom needs to be renovated. What's going on locally? So all of this ties into local because if Roe v. Wade is overturned, the reality is it probably will be. But if it is, what they're saying is it's going to come back to the states. Now, let's just be clear. Florida voters did not get to vote on a 15-week ban. So our state legislature does whatever the hell they want anyway. If that comes back to the states, those choices, those laws are the things that affect you on a daily basis are not what's happening in Washington, D.C. They're what's happening in Tallahassee. And the Republicans have been very patient and knowing this for the last 30 years, quietly taking over state legislatures around the country. Now, let me just put this in there to put the fear of God in your life, that our entire constitution rides on the fact that 75% of our states ratify it. If at any point in time, 75% of our state legislatures wanted to, I don't know, throw out the First Amendment, and they could have a constitutional convention and literally do that if they maintain control if any single party has control of 75% of our state legislatures and the Republicans are really close. I don't want my party to right. do that either, for the record. What you can do locally is you can vote these, you can vote these buttholes out. Anyway, you can, <laughs> you can vote these people out of office. It is so critical. And I know we don't understand the value of our local vote, but it is right now what's happening in Brevard County is we have people serving on a volunteer position in our charter review committee. Because we're a county charter and every six years our county charter is reviewed. It's like our constitution and it's done by volunteers. They're appointed by their county commissioners, but they're doing this for free. And those people in many, many instances are vying for running for political office down the road. So they're already looking at these things and they will be as if they will be our next state legislature. We know our school board representative, Matt Susan, plans to resign and run for state house. So every local election 
has long-term effects. We need you to show up for our local elections. Right now, what the Dems are doing is we are talking to new Democrats. I had so much fun talking to the new Democrats. They are so happy to see me. They don't know yet where they are. They're like, oh, yeah, I just moved here from California. I'm like, okay, welcome to Brevard County. Um, and so they're helping out with all of our initiatives, too. So locally, under our charter review, our public defender, who cannot be recalled, he's an elected office. Now, let me just tell you what that means. The public defender is the person, if you ever are charged with a crime when you cannot afford a lawyer, his office provides your defense. And he is a homophobic monster. Like if anybody should be recalled for malfeasance, it's him. He is just highly outraged that our school board has a guideline in place where a boy can come to school dressed in a dress. Like Literally, he wrote that in the charter review. He's like outraged that our school board has that policy. And it's not a policy, it's a guideline. And so that's, Thursday, they'll be meeting and his proposal is to make school board recallable. We've talked about that to the nth degree and I don't think it's going to fly. He uh, also wants to make school board electable at large as opposed to single member districts. Now, so the whole county would vote for every school board member. Now, the problem with that is that concentrates all of your efforts because many people do use school board as a springboard to other office. Yes. So they will then put all of their focus while they're serving in the schools that have a high propensity of voting, Vieira, Suntry, Satellite Beach. What do, what do you notice about all these things that I'm saying? They're rich. They're white. So the schools that don't fit that description would not be served. And those are often the schools that need our most attention. Yes. Those schools would not be served if, the, if they can get elected by only, because these people only care about getting elected, right? So that's a huge problem for me. And then we also on our charter review, and you can look at everything being proposed. There are currently, let me tell you, 24 proposals before the charter review for things they want to add to. And what happens is... So this ballot's going to be hella long. They're putting these things in the charter review. They're all deciding and they vote, well, they're not all going to pass. If they decide they're going to pass in this review commission, then it gets on your ballot in the fall. One is that our county commissioners can be recalled because if we can recall school board, why not? You know, you can't recall our county commissioners. So they want to change that. But Blaze Tredis, the public defender, Cannot be recalled. So I'm like, you know, if it's good enough for one, it's good enough for all. Okay. So you're telling me that there is a possibility that I'm going to vote on the election about boys wearing dresses to school. That's his rationale. That won't be in the languaging, but that's his rationale for wanting school board members to be recalled. I feel like we'll have closer to the election, we'll have an actual ballot rundown episode. Yeah, we will. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so there's 24 proposals right now. And whether they pass or not, you can go to the, the Charter Review Committee and you can tell them your, you can see all the proposals and you can speak in public comment about your support or recall or opposition to these proposals. Some of them are good. Like this one guy's running for county commission. He's got some really interesting things on there. He must have a mayor for the county, like Orange County does. Anyway, all those proposals are out there. One of them, it is to create an affordable housing trust fund, basically. And that's coming from um, Christine Zonka's appointment. The problem is that nowhere in there does it say the percentage of funds raised that would have to go to actually providing housing. It just talks about you know, so, so if, if 2% can go to the people and the other 98% goes to administrative costs. So they need to, they need to tighten that up a little, a yeah. little bit. Um, also, there's nothing in there that talks about um, actually making sure that money goes to the poor people. Cause he talks about it being a workforce housing initiative and not everybody. The problem with the poor, like our County commission just passed a ban on panhandling. Again? 
they actually passed that. That was the city of Melbourne. Now the county commission has passed it and, and Kurt Smith proposed it and made it a safety issue. And the reality is we've had no problem with safety and panhandling. And it is a violation of the First Amendment to tell somebody they can't stand on the public road with hold of a sign. No matter what it says, the sign can say, go to hell. They, there's nothing that prohibits somebody from standing on public property and holding up a sign. And they're now making it illegal. And the reality is they just want to push all homeless people out. This was Wayne Ivey's proposition. They want to make it chargeable with prison time because he gets money on prison beds being filled. Oh. So if you are struggling, you've been homeless and you're trying, you know, there's just, you're so far behind your pay. If you have good credit and a job, you can buy a three bedroom house and have a $2,000 a month mortgage payment. And if you have okay credit, and an okay job, but not great credit. You can rent a three bedroom house and pay maybe $3,000 a month in rent, maybe $4,000 in rent. And if you have none of those things, you can live in a hotel for twice that, for $6,000 a month, which who has that, right? When you're homeless. So when you're finally getting your feedback under you, and I've known people that are using panhandling to fill that gap, they're working two or three jobs with panhandling because they just don't quite have enough. And then you take that away and you take them to jail for 60 days. Their hourly job, you think they got a job when they come back out? Nope. So, so we're criminalizing being poor. I wonder how many of these would you be able to take a step back and identify sources of graft? Oh. Where's the corruption? Where's well, the money? Well, they're for-profit prisons. It's always following the money. Where's the money? People looking for a workforce housing slush fund that they can tap out to pay their own construction company? Well, you know, and some of these that they've done with housing here in Brevard County, an investor, because what's happening with housing prices, we all know they're crazy. Investors are coming in and buying all these properties. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they're now putting in their leases. They won't take third party payments, which is what Section 8 housing is. Mm. or even COVID relief funding that's coming from a third party for the federal government to that. They won't take that. That's how they get rid of those people that are on government assistance. And Hillsborough County actually put in their proposals that they don't have that anymore. They also said investors, you can only own two properties. That's one way to also keep housing prices. There's a yes. lot that can be done to literally affect the lives of Floridians as opposed to just keeping them mad at each other. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on locally. Charter review. Well, it was yesterday because this comes out on Friday, but then there'll be another meeting. They've canceled at least one meeting a month. So they're supposed to be meeting every two weeks, but they're generally meeting once a month. So by the time of you listening to this, the next meeting will be on the 23rd of June, three o'clock in the afternoon. So pay attention to something locally. And if you want to get hooked up with us, meet some new Dems, it's super fun. And just reach out to me at hello at brevarddems.org. Or you can come hang out with us at the gala on the 21st, Ooh. where your favorite podcast hosts are going to be. We may have some flamingo pens to hand out. Oh, I like that. But they have to prove that they have the podcast on their phone. <laughs> there you go. I like this. Show us your phone. Like show it. us you listen. You show us your subscription. Pen. You can yeah. have a pen. Yeah. And that's it. That's all that's happening locally. Just pay attention and know that your local vote matters more. Than I would love to stop saying your vote matters more than ever. I can't say it yet. Yeah, we haven't escaped the history book chapter that we're in God, yet. I'm just so... Oh. I'm really sick of living through this is the most important election of your right? lifetime. Right? Try being me. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday, we're going to have a pro-row rally to support women's reproductive rights. And that is at 1.30 on Saturday in front of the Vieira County Courthouse. Not the Titusville County Courthouse, the Vieira County Courthouse. 1.30, get us some great speakers. I'm, I'm pretty, I mean, I'm one, but I'm not that great, but there's other great speakers coming in than me talking about what we can do to fight this fight and why this fight matters. So come out Saturday at one 30. That's going to be tomorrow. 
at 1.30 in front of the Vieira Courthouse from 1.30 till about 4. And uh, if you like what we do, send us an email. We still have not received. If you emails. don't like what we do, send us an email. Just send us an email so Jamie believes that this is a good thing to do. Uh, yes. We do have a review, though. We have a review? On May 2nd, 2022, Mike774U wrote, It's not all bright red. Five stars. So nice to hear interesting political conversation without name calling or infactual bashing of the other party. In an area that is such a deep shade of red, hearing this podcast was a delightful change in political conversation concerning the Space Coast. Thank you. Mike, I don't know who you are, but I love you. And thank you so much for taking the time to give us that feedback, because that's actually literally been our goal from the beginning. Thank you. And everybody else, you don't want Mike to be the only review. Jump in. Leave us reviews and we'll read them. If uh, you want to call me stupid, I will read that on air. Yeah. If you want to call me stupid, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) But Jamie reads it. So go ahead. Yeah. So we are watching Apple podcast reviews. I know Spotify and other ones have those, but I don't get emails about it when those pop up. My day is made. We had a we had a reviewer. Yeah, five stars. Sweet. We are we are officially. Tell us, tell your friends. Tell your friends to join the fun. Email us at pushaheadpod at gmail.com or and, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Shelby. Until next time. Yep. Bye. If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com. The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco. Pete Ducey tried to tried to Every call him out Ducey, in the press room. I think of Pinchalog. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So Pete Dookie.